passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Kofi Kingston has just hit the 60-minute mark. He's been in this match for over an hour. What an SOS. Uh-oh. AJ looking for the calf crusher. And now Styles. He's got it. Turns it in to the calf crusher. Kofi's going to have no choice. Kofi has got to tap out. Kofi Kingston trying to drag himself to the bottom rope. And Kofi, no choice, taps to Styles. Kofi Kingston has been eliminated. There is no shame whatsoever in what Kofi Kingston just did. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind the Smackdown. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How are, how are you doing? I am doing great. Doing well. It was a snow day in Toronto yet again. We were hit with another significant downfall of snow. Yeah. How many centimeters? Uh, I didn't. I didn't get the official count in centimeters. Doesn't matter. It was a lot. Everybody. A lot. Yeah. Once once it's past like seven centimeters, it's just. It's a lot. It could be 100. It could be 50. It's a lot. Uh, but nonetheless, the whole city just shut down today. But we are moving through with lots to talk about on tonight's show. So with that said, where do you want to start, Way? Well, um, I guess the biggest story today is uh, is the passing of Pedro Morales. Yes, Pedro Morales, one of the uh, the legendary figures in professional wrestling, a Hall of Famer, somebody that was the... WWF champion, pretty much the the one that succeeded uh, Bruno San Martino when Bruno San Martino had his first title run and eventually the, the schedule was so much, he told them, you've got to take this title off of me. And that was when they flipped it to Ivan Koloff and that was a quick reign and got it to Pedro Morales who became uh, one of their biggest draws ever at Madison Square Garden. He sold out Madison Square Garden 21 times. He had, uh, he was a significant draw in California for WWA went to Hawaii. He went, he went all over the place, but it was the WWF uh, that he is most well remembered for. And then he kept the title. Um, It was, this was the time period when they were able to convince Bruno San Martino to come back and have his second title reign, which was just as impressive as the first one. But uh, Morales then dropped the title. He had it for close to three years and then left, came back, and then he had the run in the 80s where he had the Intercontinental Championship, wrestled underneath for uh, the duration of his career up until 1987. And then you saw him frequently doing uh, roles behind the scenes with the WWF. He did 
uh, commentary and was also involved with, with WCW in a similar capacity as well. Um, just uh, WWE put in their Hall of Fame in 95, and then he got elected to the Observer Hall of Fame two years ago. So somebody uh, certainly that um, you can you can go back and watch a lot, but it's it's really his his business that he did in California and Madison Square Garden that I think are going to be what a lot of people put a spotlight on immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly before my time watching wrestling, but um, it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, a lot of guys like him and Thez and, or, or San Martino um, don't really get talked about as much these days because uh, so many of, of current wrestling audiences didn't start watching until, you know, the boom with Hulk Hogan and, and Hulkamania and everything. But um, uh, I, I really do enjoy kind of learning about what wrestling was like prior to all that and uh a name that you all often hear about especially in regards to his uh his um you know how much he meant to the hispanic audience is uh pedro morales so thoughts to uh all of his uh family yeah i mean that was uh it was an incredible fan base that he was able to draw from and i don't think gets you know he's he he wasn't at at Bruno San Martino's uh, same level where where Bruno could just go to all of those not just the garden but all the surrounding cities there in the northeast and and generally drew very well whereas Pedro it was it was really concentrated at Madison Square Garden and he he was not the draw Bruno was but that was not um fewer um he still did incredible business specifically at, at the biggest arena that the WWF ran consistently. So, uh, yeah, someone that you can certainly read quite a lot on his history. We do have a story up uh, on the website going through some of the the highlights of his career that uh, went certainly beyond just the WWF as well. Uh, let's go through uh, some other news items that are going on. I did get an update on Tuesday and was told that uh, Sasha Banks has been cleared and that she will be in the chamber match on Sunday. So following up from uh, Monday when we were talking about that uh, issue, new Japan has released a bunch of cards coming up the big one way. I know the one that you are circling the calendar on Thursday, February the 21st, the main event of new Japan road, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tenzon and Toriyano taking on Minoru Suzuki, Toriyano, and in his retirement match, Takeshi Izuka. Yeah. Is that going to be the main event? It's the main event. Wow. That's cool. I mean, you know, we were predicting whether or not there would be a singles match or, or uh, some type of tag team bout. A three-way, three-way with Okada in there, I think, is is a pretty decent way to go out. You know, I, I don't know if, if he would be able to handle a singles match at this point. Certainly not something worthy of a main event. But I think putting some of those names in there allows Izuka, um that spotlight. Uh, I'm sure the whatever spot they, spots they have planned with Tenzon should be really interesting. So sure, I'll, I have I have interest in this. There's like a real world importance to it, you know, of of knowing that it's a man's last match. Yeah, and I think you know the the real main event to me is going to be the post match angle. Like there's got to be something big after the match. To me, that's where you do whatever you're going to do with Tenzon and Izuka. Yeah, they bury the hatchet. Or the claw. Could be many things. The iron fingers are gone. We will see what happens. Yeah. Um, so uh, Will Ospreay is also back on that same show. So that's happening next Thursday at Core Q and Hall. They also released the two nights uh, of cards for the Honor Rising events, which are going to be Friday, February 22nd, and Saturday, 
February 23rd. So they're doing three straight nights at uh, Corcoran Hall. Uh, won't go through all the matches here, but uh, some of the highlights on the first night. I really like this opener. Ren Narita versus Marty Skrull and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shota Umino. Those are going to be two great matches. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you know, with the amount of talent that's available for from both companies, you you really can't go wrong with a lot of the combinations. I suppose um, maybe I was a little disappointed because I was hoping to see someone like the fresher names, such as PCO or Brody King, involved in some of these cards. And as far as I know, they're not no. on any he, of PCO these has stated he didn't get his visa in time to go to Japan. That's what he has stated. I see. And I, uh, Brody King. Uh, I don't know. I, I know that him and his wife just had a child. I don't know if that had anything to do with things. And I guess the other one you would be looking at is Bandito. Right. Yes. Um, that first night will feature uh, Will Ospreay versus Dalton Castle for the never open weight title. Jeff Cobb versus Hiroki Goto for the television title, which was going to be part of those U.S. shows. And then the main event will be Jay Lethal, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kazuchika Okada against the Kingdom. Matt Taven, Vinny Marcellia, and TK Orion. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't know if I'm as interested in that one, um, but I, I think it'll be fun. I think it's, you know, I think Okada and Tanahashi, they've really kind of developed, like, it, it It really has kind of fulfilled, like, that super team that the Golden Lovers, you know, used to kind of uh, occupy on the card. And so anytime you need a headlining attraction, pair those two together, and I think you're going to draw a, a, a very strong level of interest already. And the second night, uh, some of the highlights, uh, Marty Skrull versus Robbie Eagles, Will Ospreay and Hiroki Goto against Jeff Cobb and Dalton Castle. Jay Lethal is defending the ROH title against TK Orion. And then Evil and Sonata are defending the IWGP tag titles against the Gorillas of Destiny. And the main event is the Briscoes versus Juice Robinson and David Finley for the ROH tag titles. So... These are about the level of shows I expected. They're not blow away great, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think that there's, I-, I think these are two cards that you could cherry pick and and be selective of the matches to to go check out. But to be honest, those first two matches on the first night have uh, I- I'm really interested in those two matches. The other thing I, I guess I should ask is, I mean, this kind of plays as like a a bit of a preview of maybe the roster that you're going to get at MSG. You know, with this crop of people from ROH and New Japan, do you think and that probably some angles on these shows because you should have a card hopefully coming out of this? Yeah. So, do you think this is a strong enough looking lineup, or do you, do you think they might need some more additions? Well, I mean, you have certain guys that are not on these cards that ROH now has access to the ones mm-hmm. we just mentioned, plus Roosh in there. Um, I, I mean, mean th- not that it even needs to be because they've already sold the thing out. Yeah, I mean, the big one is that um, Jay White will defend the title against the winner of the New Japan Cup. They specifically noted that it's not going in past years. It's been you get to pick which championship belt you go after this year. They're saying it's going to be Jay White's title that you will get the challenge and that will be Jay White's first title defense. So mm-hmm. other than that match, I mean, after these honor rising shows, you should be able to pretty much book this card um, conceivably because you had the anniversary card and then. The guys in the New Japan Cup, it's tough because you can't really put them into matches when they're still in the tournament, so you can't account for everybody. Um, but I would think that you're at least going to get some angles at the Honor Rising events so that you have a, a decent direction of, of where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we will uh, 
We will see what comes out of these shows. And and then they announced two title matches for the anniversary show, which is March the 6th, Taiji Shimori versus Jushin Thunder Liger for the junior heavyweight title, and then Shingo Takagi and Bushi defending the junior heavyweight tag titles against Rapongi 3K. Uh, both those matches were set up at the New Beginning card in Osaka on Monday. What else do we have going on? It was a, it was a very busy day. Uh, Raw did uh, just over 2.4 million viewers. It was down from last week. Uh, not the lowest of the year, but it had a, uh, you know, a, a declining ratings p- uh, pattern that we typically see. But if anyone was curious, if uh, the the show long Becky Lynch thread would lead to any um, increased viewership. It didn't. It did not. It did, however, lead to a huge increase in the amount of dislikes on their YouTube channel because that oh boy. video, that video of uh, Vince McMahon uh, announcing Charlotte replacing Becky, is now their most disliked YouTube video um, on that YouTube channel ahead of uh, replacing what um, Roman Reigns's post. WrestleMania 33 speech. So take that for whatever it's worth. Well, that segment was awesome. So I don't know what you're disliking. That was a great segment. The the Roman promo. Yeah. I don't remember it, actually. That's the one where he comes out and he was just booed for oh. like 10 minutes and he never said anything. Right, right. Yeah. I thought that one was great. I mean, um, you know, I thought like if the intended effect was to rile up the audience, this more than achieved that. The Charlotte thing. It did. Oh, people are, are just fuming over all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. this is I mean, we, we knew the direction that they were going with the with the three way. Um I, I, I didn't really like the the show long angle. We talked about this on Monday. Um, but I mean I, I'm not as uh against this three way as, as others are. I'm not I understand that some people are really upset about it. I'm not, but uh, what what do, do you have any different thoughts? I think we'll probably talk about it as we get into our SmackDown review. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just a few quick things here. Um, the UFC prelims on Saturday night, it's been very interesting to watch um, how they've been performing on ESPN. They got another huge lead in because of the Duke, Virginia college basketball game that did over 3.3 million viewers. So the prelims on Saturday, which did not have many names, it didn't have any names on the prelims, uh, did 1,339,000 viewers. So it's it's a tremendous bump that they're getting from uh, some of these lead ins, but um not knowing what, what the pattern was, the last time um, they got the big lead in, the audience still grew. So they're getting a big start, but at least the, the last example of this, the audience still grew after that. So it's it's so far so good on ESPN. And, and this Sunday night, they've got a full card on ESPN, which is headlined by Cain Velasquez and Francis Ngannou. So I don't know how I'm going to be able to watch that card because it's head-to-head with Elimination Chamber, but that should be uh, a very interesting one. And... Cain Velasquez gets the trivia note of being on the first Fox card and the first full ESPN card. Congratulations. What hey. <laughs> you get a certificate with that. Yeah. Um, well, the power of ESPN, that's, that's really great for UFC. It's, I mean, so far, UFC has been a big benefit to ESPN Plus, and they're receiving a lot on, on ESPN, so... You know, a month into this relationship, it's been very positive so far. And this last story, way I wanted to get your reaction to. Rusev and Lana were on Lillian Garcia's podcast. I guess they they broke this interview up, and the second part the second part aired this week. And Lana revealed that the two will not be coming back on the next season of Total Divas. And Lana, who is who's clearly very um, upset over this and was emotional in talking about this, said that they went from 
the executives loving them and even talking about these two getting one of their own spinoffs to these new executives coming in at E and they did some kind of a poll or a study and they were told that their demographics found them very unlikable mm-hmm. and they've been dropped from the uh, the future uh, well from the series they've been dropped right yeah um i i think uh if you watch the show lana is the clear heel of the program she is like kind of like often the shit disturber and the person who's uh, often kind of appears the the most uh unstable if i i guess if if i could say that um rusev on the other hand i've always enjoyed he's been a lot of fun to watch but i could see in a focus group people uh whatever e audiences are are being pulled for something like that uh having a strong dislike i mean the thing is though like with these shows wait a minute does that mean does that mean charlotte flair is going to be dropped from wwe programming because she was so disliked on YouTube. I mean, it depends on what you think, right? Because if the goal of these shows is to, you know, have your heel characters and people that people are supposed to dislike be profiled on them, then I think Lana is actually a great choice for the show. Part of the reason why I think she's stuck around for as long as she has, whereas people like Alexa and even Carmella, who haven't really shown as much personality during their time on that show, and why they haven't been a part of it. Um, I'm I'm a little disappointed because I think Lana and Rusev in particular were both a lot of fun to watch as much as you might dislike them. So um, I I could understand, you know, um, maybe their frustration. I can understand why previous executives would see that they were ripe for or uh, uh, what is it, um, a spinoff. Whereas maybe current executives would rather um, get people that the audience actually likes, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it all comes down to our... Are these people so dislikable that you're not watching the show because of them, mm-hmm. or do you just find them as characters, like Lawn especially? As you're t- like, I don't, I don't regularly watch, so I kind of go by your your reports on it. But if you are be if you're casting someone as the villain, well, then she should be disliked, and there's nothing wrong with having dislikable figures on a show if it's people are are watching. Yeah, I don't know. Hard to say what yeah. what E looks for in uh, for for a show like this. I listen, I, I'm sure it was a well in listening to this interview, especially for Lana, it was a really big deal for her to be on on Total Divas. Well, she's not really on much else, right? I guess so. Yeah. When you look at it that way, especially I, I, I have all the respect in the world for the people that, that do this series year in, year out that are spending, you know, obviously they are they're on television. They are they're compensated as such. But man, could you imagine that you're you're a full time wrestler? And then you're doing this on top of it as well. Right, yeah. I'm sure it could be oh. very taxing, but it depends on, like, what your aims are. Like, again, if you're somebody like Lana who's not being featured, you know, all, all that often on SmackDown in a speaking role, this is your chance to, like, get your personality out there and try to build but your For audience. Rusev, I mean, I think it was this show that largely opened the door for all of that stuff that uh, he lucked into and on, on television. And then, of course, they turned him heel. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious. They found him too dislikable yeah. on E, so they made him dislikable right. on <laughs> WWE programming under yeah. their own power. But I would extend that to like somebody like Jimmy Uso, who I felt like really showcased his personality first on that particular show. Uh, people like Natty and, of course, the Bellas have really greatly benefited from from this uh, reality TV show. So um, Lana's going to have to find that platform somewhere else. All right, let's get into SmackDown from Tuesday night 
in Toledo, Ohio. Hey, what before that, we also have the double shot coming up, John. Oh, that is right. We should uh, we should preview that. Um, actually, fi- final news item was uh, the announcement of a new match at Double or Nothing. We have Nyla Rose versus Kylie Ray versus Britt Baker, Doctor Britt Baker, and uh, this aired on the new Road to Double or Nothing. So, mm-hmm. uh, Brandy and Cody are going through the the. Uh, the graphics for the matches and they show the three-way match after Britt Baker complains about kind of being overlooked and she has no plans for the match. So then we find out she's in a three-way and then Cody has another photo for Brandy to approve and it's Cody's image and blurred out is his opponent for double or nothing indicating that he is on the show. And this follows his uh, arthroscopic knee surgery that he had on Tuesday. So, the T well, it seems like he is going to have a match and we don't know who it is against unless it's Christopher Daniels teeth. <laughs> well, we know he's a uh, Daniels is involved in the o- o- OWE match, so probably won't be him. Can his teeth come out and wrestle a separate match do double duty that night? I'm not sure. But um, so the, the, the big tease is Cody versus an opponent who has yet to be named as part of the AEW roster. So uh, it's interesting. Yeah. On the double shot, I was actually going to talk a bit about uh, that new series from uh, Cody's Nightmare Family YouTube channel, as well as this week's Being the Elite, um, Total D, Bellas, of course. Uh, and I also got a chance to listen to the Stephanie McMahon on Three and a Half Degrees podcast. Oh, I, I was going to talk about that, too. I have, I have notes. Oh, okay, wonderful. We're both, yeah, I was, I was just going to work that in there as well. Perfect. Lovely. All right, well, that's coming up on the double shot as well. I'm going to have a rundown of the June 17th 2002 episode of raw to get us set for king of the ring that year which is our review on friday's rewind away so all of that on the double shot it's probably there now so if you are a member of the post wrestling cafe you can just hit download and you can listen to us all day long as you watch the snow come down from the uh from the sky what a better way to spend your wednesday or while you're shoveling the snow you could do that as well yeah uh so that's out and then all of our Regular shows coming out this week. Up next on Thursday, the Cafe Hangout will be live at 3 with special guest Nate Milton on the show. He's going to be previewing Elimination Chamber with us and getting us set for the next Rocky Maivia Picture Show, where this weekend he is reviewing the rundown with Jay Hunter and V1 from the OSW review crew. Lovely. Lovely. All right. So go check out postwrestling.com, postwrestling.cafe.com, and then on Sunday, we will have our Elimination Chamber post-show as well, keeping everybody covered for the entire week. All right, SmackDown time. Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, Exciting stuff. They did not get their their city uh, video package, but they did get quite the shout-out on this show. Plenty of mentions. Nothing to complain about from Toledo. Yeah, I think every. I mean, Toledo. I feel like they're willing to encourage because it's it's at least a, a place people have heard of. It looks like a relatively large city, and also, it's it's fun to say. I guess so. I I would imagine that the people in Toledo hate the, the saying of Toledo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they must hear it so often that they just probably groan at the sight of it. It's like us with a, yeah, or you know, making some, some reference about um, you know hockey. Yeah, uh, they did have a graphic at the beginning in memory of Pedro Morales 
Um, he was such a big figure. I would imagine next week he does get um, a proper video package. Perhaps, yeah. Um, what is like, have they done that in the past though? Like say like uh, somebody passes on a Tuesday, do they wait until Monday to to still do it? Or is, is there sort of like an element of like, oh, how newsworthy is this? Like would they just put it on, on YouTube for instance? I don't know what the the official uh, thought process is. I I can say that whenever they have acknowledged someone's passing or aired a video, not one person in the world has ever said, "Ugh, that guy died like six days ago. Did we really need to sit through that? No one has ever said that. No one has ever complained about the acknowledgement of someone passing. So I believe they can air a video package on Monday and everyone will be uh, very happy and think that was very nice of them to acknowledge a, a significant member of their history. Mm. So I hope we do see a, a video package on Pedro Morales. They started the show with a recap of Vince McMahon's announcement on Raw, a very cleaned up version. This thing sounded seamless. Yeah, well, he had, he had like a couple flubs, like one big one, and then the rest of it just maybe wasn't as smooth. The power of editing. So the video, like this is right from Raw, is Vince announcing, we need Charlotte Flair. And then in the arena in Toledo, her music hits and she walks out. This was pretty thought out. This was very different. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was just something something different. Um, Off the top, as Charlotte is walking to the ring, they announce Mustafa Ali is out of the Elimination Chamber and will be replaced by a member of the New Day uh, who will be revealed in the gauntlet match later on tonight. Charlotte says, this is my destiny. As she points to the WrestleMania sign, she calls herself the backbone of the division, the franchise player, and a winner. And Vince McMahon is not going to risk the main event of WrestleMania on some flash in the pan like Becky Lynch. And by the end of that match at WrestleMania, the fans will be standing and chanting just like every one of her big matches. They will be chanting, this is awesome. So boo me now. And the crowd is hating Charlotte. She dedicates her victory at WrestleMania to her best friend, Becky Lynch. The crowd is chanting, you suck. And Charlotte starts wetting the audience. That's a first. They turned it, She turned it on them. She started to what them. Kind of worked, yeah. Didn't really... Didn't really um, negatively affect her. She announced that she has a front row ticket for Ronda Rousey's match against Ruby Riot on Sunday. And then I give her, this is the delivery of the year because she did this without laughing. And maybe we'll have a new Raw Women's Champion and I'll have a new WrestleMania opponent. Ruby Riot versus Charlotte Flair. WrestleMania main event. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out on Sunday. <laughs> I thought Charlotte was very good here. I thought she sounded excellent. I thought it was a really well-worded, really well-delivered heel promo. I think they've honed in on, on who this Charlotte heel character is. She's somebody who thinks she is the best and that the fans are simply blinded by this infatuation with uh, somebody who's largely unproven in Becky Lynch, somebody who she considers to be all talk and hasn't had the longevity that Charlotte has in the spotlight. So... Uh, whether or not you agree with that, I think it's a wonderful stance for this current incarnation of Charlotte. 
I was probably one of those people who was not a fan of adding her into the mix initially, but, um, I mean, I understand why people are upset. I think it changes, you know, the focus of the story and certainly takes away from the grudge between Rhonda and, and, and Becky. However, after accepting it, I think what you're still left with, though, is a good story. I think it could potentially even be a better story because Charlotte has proven to be a very good performer. And I have a lot more faith now in this heel character because I I feel like it's it's pretty well realized. And I think Charlotte has been cutting some pretty decent promos. It's also really refreshing to have a main event where the babyface is completely beloved by the audience and the heel is just despised by this audience. And there's none of this, uh, we don't want Charlotte to turn, so we'll just we'll just have her deal with the crowd reactions. It's like the crowd hates her and she's going to take that reaction and amplify it. And we've got a hated mm-hmm. heel, a beloved babyface, uh, and if anything, Ronda Rousey is just kind of, um, like, in, in a weird way, like, she's Ronda Rousey. She's like this separate entity that uh, I'm kind of curious to see how this is all going to weave um, between all of them. Because you have the strong dynamic with Becky and Ronda, and you have the strong dynamic between um, Becky and Charlotte. And eventually, you can get back to s- some focus on Ronda and Charlotte stemming from the Survivor Series attack angle, which has kind of been put on the back burner. But I'm with you. I think that this is, um, overall, I think that this will turn into a very good story. I thought that Monday was a step back. Um, I, I, I didn't SmackDown has like been that. better. Like, I know for, for all, everything that we say about, like, every everybody being the same, there, to me, is a very noticeable difference between the quality of, like, certain uh, stories between Raw and SmackDown. Even this, this which is the same story... But I thought Raw's interpretation of it was not as good as on SmackDown this week and last week. You bring back the psychological kind of like uh, thread of like, uh, you know, Becky Lynch potentially being not willing to uh, live up to the task of being the man that was addressed by Triple H last week was ignored on Raw Monday and then brought back here by Charlotte. So, I I mean, I'm not really sure what it is, but... I think SmackDown has been doing a better job, even with the same storyline. How do you think that they should be handling Becky Lynch um, this weekend, next weekend, when it comes to house shows? Where, I mean, between Raw and SmackDown, there's a lot of injuries at the moment. And for Becky, I mean, to get this story across, she probably shouldn't be on the house shows. I guess unless you're going to do her, she just like crashes the house shows. But how do you handle her? In those situations. I imagine they'll do that. You know, have her just uh, come in unannounced and uh, just, you know, make an appearance. And, and at the end of this whole thing, we all know what's going on. We know this is a storyline. I think I don't think it's fair to the audience that's paying to see, you know, WWE in their local hometown to have Becky withheld simply for storyline purposes. Um, I think if somebody was injured, that's a different case. But if she's healthy, if she's in the town anyway... Just have her appear in, in a dark segment, in an unannounced segment, and uh, le- let everybody go home happy. There's no rule that says you have to acknowledge everything that happens at a house show on TV. Like John Cena dressed up as Juan Cena and and still appeared on, on a lot of those shows. And did it affect any storylines afterwards? No. Becky Finch. Becky Finch, perfect. Bucky Lunch. Oh my god. I just served you that one on a platter. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. First match, Carmella and Naomi 
versus Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. What are their names? Fire and Desire. Correct. And the I Iconics in that, the same fabulous setup. Glow. Yes, Fabulous Glow, Fire and Desire, and the Iconics. Um, all nicknames I had uh, throughout my years of school. Um, so, same setup as Raw. The winning team gets nothing. The losers get to start the match with Bailey and Sasha Banks. This was a marked improvement over Monday. Huge. Because the Iconics <laughs> were booked the exact way that we were clamoring for on Monday. They refused to tag in. They were the smartest people on this show. Absolutely. I'm so glad they used that. I thought that was a huge kind of plot hole that was unaddressed on Monday. Why Bailey would willingly tag herself in. First of all, she's already one person down. And secondly, what do you have to gain from winning this match versus just not being involved at all? I thought the I love the way the iconics were booked here. Yeah. Um so we got promos from all three teams. And again, these were the WWE.com versions. They are so much better. Yeah, they really are. Uh, they didn't feel scripted. It felt like they were all just naturally speaking from the perspective of their characters. Uh, I, the fact that they aired them so often, I think, tells you maybe that they are quite pleased with the results. And I like them too. I didn't really like them as much maybe spread out. But I think one by one by one, I felt like that worked better. I hope they do more of these for all of their matches in this style. Yeah, I, I think that they've they've definitely found something that is way better than just the typical, you know, uh, promo, the, the insert promo that just they're staring at the camera. These feel so much more natural. Uh, I like these a lot. Naomi did this one spot where she jumped in the air and came down on Sonya Deville with the splits. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It looked rough for both of them, but, um, I mean, she's very flexible. Uh, clearly, yes. Uh, Naomi and Rose get tagged in, and Rose is trying to run away, but she can't tag out because the Iconics jump off the apron. They are not tagging into this match at all. Uh, DeVille gets in control of Carmella after the break. Uh, the crowd gets into Naomi. She landed a springboard onto Rose, split-legged moonsault, and then Naomi pins Mandy Rose, and the story was the Iconics never tagged in, but... They took advantage after the match. So we've set up Mandy Rose and DeVille will start the match with Bailey and Banks and the Iconics attack Naomi and Carmella. And I swear to God, this is what happened. They double teamed Naomi and they threw her shoulder first into the post. They grab Carmella and they throw her shoulder first into the <laughs> post. I could not believe this way. I mean, it's, it was the identical attack to both women. I guess it is the go-to, you know, uh, uh, foreign object that you have access to in the ring. It's, Between this and the Iconics not tagging in, I was like, this is not a coincidence. This can't be. Um, what? The fact that they listened to, to your complaints? Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> it has to be. Absolutely. Um... I feel like it's it's going to be a major challenge for this group to have, you know, a match. I don't think anybody pegs for for it to be a show-stealing match at all. But, you know, we could be proven wrong. I hope that they're rehearsing a lot and they have a lot of good, interesting multi-person spots planned. That's maybe something that could work to their advantage or disadvantage. They have the benefit that the I think the bar is very low. I don't think anyone's going into this with high expectations that they can easily be exceeded. 
Um, but yeah, they've they've got their work cut out for them on Sunday. I think that's that's pretty obvious. I mean, your most talented, um, you know, in ring performers, uh, aside from Bailey, sit- one sitting in the front row with a ticket. <laughs> that that's her. Oscar's not a part of this. Ember Moon's out. Um, you know, Ronda and Char- uh, Becky are both not involved. So it's it's a great opportunity for people like the Iconics to step up in a major match. Um, but everybody's going to have to be, you know, excellent. Bailey had a promo. She said she knows Sasha will be there on Sunday. There's nothing stronger than their connection together. Then we had a promo with Nia Jax and Tamina, where Nia just keeps cutting off Tamina when Tamina tries to get a word in. And was that intentional or was that just the way it happened? What do you think? I thought it was intentional um, because they did it several times and... I don't know. I, I took it as intentional. I hope they're not splitting these two up already. This hmm. is the feud we do not need. No, I don't think you're getting that feud. And then Liv Morgan was with Sarah Logan, and Liv Morgan will walk through fire for Sarah Logan. Their loyalty knows no bounds, and a lot of people will see a different side of the Riot Squad. We're hungry. I was not as uh, big of a fan of these sets of interviews as the SmackDown ones. Um... I didn't think they were as strong. The announcers then explained that Mustafa Ali has not been medically cleared due to his injuries. And they had a promo from Ali who does have a black eye. But I'll say this eye looks a hundred times better than it did last week where it was completely shut. Yeah, I mean, swelling goes down like in a week, but still leaves a pretty bad mark. Um, I'm glad they gave him this promo time. I think... Turning his real disappointment, disappointment and emotions into a story for his character could be, you know, a silver lining to this unfortunate timing of this injury. Um, it's all about whether or not they let that story continue to be told. I think, you know, you could hear some of the crowd's reaction when he was announcing this. Um, and the crowd was booing. So in the month that he's been around, he's gained a lot of fans. I hope this doesn't derail his push. Um and I hope he does plenty of promos in the meantime, whether it be on social media or hopefully on SmackDown, that allow him to maintain a presence on TV. He said that he's frustrated his body gave out before his heart did, and this isn't the end. He still writes his own story, and he will not stay down. So another good promo from Mustafa he's, Ali. He's great. And again, he's a guy who, like, you know, as great as he is in ring, I think his real... The real uh, charm of, of him is his ability to, to speak and how engaging he sounds when he speaks. So yeah, concussion or not, you could still talk. So I hope he continues. The Miz and Shane McMahon came out. There was a big chant for the Usos who were their guests on McMiz TV. They've also got new T-shirts. And the fans boo when they sarcastically call Shane and Miz the best tag team in the world. This was a very pro-Usos crowd. And the Usos ask if they ride, train, eat, and bathe together. Yeah, you see, they, they, is this on Total Divas ever at any point? Well, Jay explained that they're twins, so it's not as big of a deal. Then they did the tag team test. And this was like a kid street where you had to guess your sibling's answer to different questions. We found out Jay's favorite color is red. His favorite food is pepperoni pizza. And his favorite team is the 49ers, which got lots of boos from this crowd in Ohio. I was not liking where this was going. So then the Miz decided to do the same game with Shane, 
But Miz whispered his answers to Shane, and it led to Shane revealing that Miz's favorite minor league team is the Toledo Mudhens, and this place went nuts. And then Shane and Miz, in unison, yelled, Holy Toledo! And this place just loved this. They went nuts. They went nuts. It didn't take a lot. And Miz and Shane came here, and just all of a sudden, in unison, said, A boot? I guess we would. Yeah. We would go nuts, too, wouldn't we? Miz then added that his favorite food is quiche, and Jimmy said, No one's talking about my daddy, quiche. Uh Haha. Clever. Then, Shane McMahon brings up Mandy Rose, and things get serious. And Shane is going to put the twin theory to the test because he's going to hit Jimmy so hard, his brother will feel it. Jay tells Miz to shut up. It's disrespectful for the two of them to call yourselves the best in the world. Shane mocks them, dropping the mic, and he holds up their tag titles in front of them and tells them, you dig, oos? And the crowd is solidly behind the Usos, who then double superkick Miz and Shane to end this segment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of comedy at the beginning, uh, but I-, I thought they got to a to a good ending by the by the the end here. Yeah, yeah. I thought overall it was cool. It had a much looser vibe to it than your usual SmackDown or Raw scripted segment. Um, I think it's like the Usos bring a certain energy out there that feels kind of casual and, and, and kind of fun. It's not like I don't think they've really kind of hit their peak yet of what they could be. Uh, but I think they improve. Um, I think for that reason, though, maybe the looseness also suffered um, a little bit. Maybe diving into a, a lot of the comedy and maybe not having all of it land, but most of it getting a good reaction. I really like the super kicks at the end, though. Yes, and we will we will see how how Shane uh, and his punches adapt on Sunday. Because now we got to see the match. Then it was 8.50 p.m. And Daniel Bryan and Rowan come out for the gauntlet match. So we were getting a very lengthy match here. Bryan cut a promo. He doesn't want to be in this chamber match because it's painful. It's horrible. It could shorten his career. But it's his sacrifice in order to remain champion. And before he can go on, the New Day comes out. And they're teasing which member it's going to be before revealing Kofi Kingston who proceeded to have uh, a very long next hour of his life. Starting off with Daniel Bryan, and these two ended up getting three segments for this uh, this first portion of the gauntlet match. Um, we had Bryan working for a surfboard early on. Uh, Kofi gets sent into the steps during one of the commercial breaks, and then he was draped on the top rope, and Bryan landed this beautiful flying knee to the back of his neck, but then missed with a diving headbutt. Uh, these two are going, they're past the 20-minute mark, um, and Brian gets the label lock applied, and Kofi is able to fight to the rope. Brian gets caught with a drop kick as he's coming off the top, and then Rowan trips Kofi right as he's setting up for the Trouble in Paradise. So Big E and Xavier Woods go after Rowan, and the New Day gets ejected. Then Rowan dumps Kofi into the timekeeper's area, and that leads to Rowan being ejected, and Brian goes for the running knee, and he's cut off with the trouble in paradise. Kofi Kingston pins Daniel Bryan. Surprise. 
You know, I I really liked it, actually. I think it sets Kofi up in line for a title match. That's a tactic that you don't really see the WWE employ all that much by having another champion get pinned in a tag team match or something. I hope they follow up that way because, I mean, pinning the champion, I really do think that's worth a lot. Um, it I wasn't was... for Mustafa Ali. We're still waiting on that one. So there's a, there's a long line now for oh, title God. matches. I guess you're right. I guess it means nothing then. So that well, kind of sucks. I thought you needed to do this with whoever the replacement was. I think you had to give them, especially a Kofi Kingston level. Um, maybe you wouldn't have had to do this if this was Ray, but for Kofi, uh, like as soon as this match started, I was like, he's he's got to pin him here. And I didn't think they were going to do what they ended up doing with Kofi, but um, you know they they were out to make Kofi as legitimate as a participant in this match as you were going to believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder how many people you can rely on for this type of Iron Man spot on the roster. But Kofi certainly is one of them, and they they kind of gave us like a shocker of a of an hour with him, which I really liked. I love like when we get unexpected risk-taking things. Next up was Jeff Hardy, and he hit the poetry in motion off the steps on the floor, missed with a swanton, and then Kingston blocked a superplex, Sent off Jeff, hit a high cross, and then Hardy reversed and landed on top for a two count. Jeff gets up, and Kingston is able to hit the SOS for the win at 346. And I like the fact that Kofi won with several of his moves, not just the trouble in paradise. And he had kind of different, uh, he had different finishes for all of his wins. In all three matches, he won in a different way, which I thought was a cool uh, little piece of uh, the detail that I liked. Mm Mm-hmm. Joe was next, and he's just destroying Kofi. They announced Kofi has been in this for over 38 minutes. Uh, Kofi goes for this Pescado and nails him on the floor. Back into the ring they go. Joe hits a lariat, and Kofi is kicking out at one. I thought the announcers were doing a very good job of putting over this Herculean performance by Kofi Kingston. Joe is getting frustrated that he won't stay down, and he finally catches him with the Coquina Clutch and a, a favorite finish of the WWE is the sleeper slash chokehold, and then the the guy kicks off of the turnbuckle and rolls on top, and this is how he pinned Joe. Uh, they went about 8 minutes, 52 seconds, and Kofi wins, and then Joe attacked him on the floor, reapplied the coquina clutch, and left him laying as AJ Styles, the next opponent, ran down to fight off Joe and check on Kofi Kingston as they went to the next commercial break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a much more slower uh, pinfall, I would say, or a slower match in general. It was a lot of long holds, giving Kofi enough time to rest. Um, but by the end of it, it's more so about the headline than the quality of the match. And the next was Kingston and AJ Styles, and Kingston staggers into the ring. AJ's telling him, you don't have to do this, but Kofi won't hear anything of it. He says he's been waiting for 11 years for this. He's fired up. And he's going to take the fight to AJ, who just drops him with a forearm, tacks Kofi's knee, kicks him in the leg, and Styles is yelling at him to stay down. He hits this beautiful-looking backbreaker, which was like a leg sweep into the backbreaker. Uh, Kofi, at this point, Tom Phillips notes, has been in the match over 56 minutes. Kofi is on the edge of the apron. He runs and misses the double knees going into the post. And they think he's going to be counted out, but he makes it in at 9 Blocks a top rope Hurricane Rana by AJ and then delivers a splash to AJ who is leaned over and gets a two count. AJ recovers, rolls to the calf crusher, and Kofi Kingston has to tap out after an hour in this match. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, I love the booking. I, I mean, I can't really say the matches were that great because, you know, in the end it was like, I felt like a lot of stalling, but the Rollins um, performance was very much the same. Uh, I do think it's it's impressive that you you know somebody is on TV for a whole hour and doesn't look completely gassed by the end of it. So uh, I think a ton of respect, and I love that you know whenever they push guys from out of nowhere who are very capable of it, uh, especially with Kofi Kingston, who I think has everybody in the locker room's respect, and uh, for a long time hasn't really been given a spotlight like this. So. I thought it was great. Yeah, to me, this was way more just about the story of Kofi's, uh, you know, effort here. And they they just did a fantastic job with him. I thought coming out of this, it's like, wow, you've got someone that feels like a big deal in the Elimination Chamber. Like, you took a guy that wasn't even booked on this show, and you just said, we are going to make this guy in the course of this show and put him at this level. So people take him seriously in this role. And I thought that was achieved and that, that was the goal. So I, I marked this a big success. And much of new day runs. If you remember yeah, last, if you remember last year, like I feel like much of Seth Rollins momentum as, as a babyface began with his performance in, in this type of match. It's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was last February and that really kicked off things. And then with, you know, the IC title run and yeah. Um, the New Day are down, they're checking on Kofi, and he receives a standing ovation. So, you know, one, one of Kofi's biggest moments in his 11 years here in the company, I think, was this night. And I hope they continue with it. You know, it's it's all well and good to have, like, one big night, but uh, hopefully they wouldn't have just done this without capitalizing on it, even after Elimination Chamber. So AJ is waiting in the ring. By the and way, there's like, t- there's, there's like two minutes left in the broadcast. Not, Not even. even. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like... They have to race here. And the t- the shot is so tight on AJ. I thought they kept the camera on him just a little too long because I think everyone knew what was happening. But that did not, to me, diminish this. Orton comes out from the crowd and nails him with the RKO and pins him instantly. I thought this was awesome. That Kofi lasts an hour and this dude wins the entire fucking thing in five seconds. It was really a perfect ending. Absolutely. It was. And it was just enough that, like, they have been very good about keeping AJ and Randy Orton apart, and they're starting to work house shows together now. And I wonder if this is the start of maybe this could be AJ's mania program, and you start it with with this, like such a such a cheap way for Randy to beat him. And we'll see if they build upon that in the chamber this this Sunday. But uh, that is a fresh matchup that mm-hmm. I I have wanted to see that singles match. I like it. I didn't even realize that these two haven't really had too much uh, interaction on the roster. I, I don't know if they've ever had a TV match, but uh, to me, nothing substantial or noteworthy comes to mind. That yeah. it, it feels like a fresh match. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I thought this was a great, great episode of SmackDown. I was, I was a big fan of this show. Yeah, again, I, I can't, I can't really say that it's a match that I, I would clamor for people to watch because it wasn't that exciting of a match in itself, but. For a single performance, I think, you know, it gets people talking. It's something that I will remember at the end of the year versus most of your SmackDown matches that I'll just forget after one week. Uh, Certainly a wonderful performance from Kofi Kingston. Great booking from the team behind Kofi Kingston. It made him here. Um, A ton of respect. And uh, I I love the way it ended as well. And I I just, I thought it did a great job of, you know, you're doing an hour with these guys and the the negative to that is are you going to burn people out to want to come back 
five days later and see a match between these six. And I'll say after this show, like I'm I'm really looking forward to that gauntlet match. Or, sorry, the chamber match on Sunday. Yeah, I certainly didn't have like burn me out in that sense. I mean, the, the draw of the chamber match is the chamber. So it'll be a very different type of match at that point. Um, and I have a lot of faith in these guys delivering something very solid. Yeah. So anyway, I, I enjoyed kind of the structure of this match. I liked a, a lot of the little things that they did on this show and the overall show long story. So a thumbs up smackdown from me. Let us see if the forum agrees on a scale of one to ten. A six point five five. So the answer was clearly not as much as I enjoyed the show. So let us see what everyone had to say. Jalen from Pickering starts. Although I saw the ending coming a mile away, the gauntlet match was very enjoyable. I just wish they had Kofi go until the end to really emphasize Orton being a strategic scumbag. I'd be very interested in a New Day versus Wyatt family feud due to the obvious contrasts and the amount of good promos and matches they could have. Um, I lived through the Wyatt family and New Day when they had the the match on the the Wyatt family compound. Um, I don't need to see that again. He means the Bryant family. Oh, I see. I thought he had a mistake here. Sorry. The Bryant family. Yes. Um, No, Uh, I'm not dying to see that either. But anyway, maybe. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I think putting Carper with with, uh, Rowan and Brian feels like a real natural move. But it also, to me, feels a little too much like it'll be the Wyatt family at that point. Um, I... I feel like they maybe need to go somewhere different. And certainly another feud with the New Day. You know, there's sort of like a natural rivalry there between Daniel Bryan, the person who preaches minimalism and uh, not using up resources, and the New Day who just waste pancakes and sell a whole bunch of colorful shit. Um, So I actually would kind of love to see that type of program. You're also kind of verging on maybe a little too much comedy potentially if you do that feud but i think it'll be entertaining especially with this version of kofi kingston if they continue pushing him strong as a single star him versus brian i mean Big E versus brian any of those guys versus brian i think could result in a solid match if they do go ahead with that and brian is triggered by excessive pancake making we can then admit that this is this is not a this is a comedy title can we agree it depends though it depends on how his promos are like if you can tur- turn that pancake thing into like a scathing heel promo i i think it i wouldn't shut like completely dismiss it kofi on sunday i am going to take your pancake mix and i will batter you and then i will save it and use it to feed the poor something like that yeah, and on on the topic, of, uh, like Jayla mentioned, Kofi potentially going to the end. I feel like with these types of matches and these types of stories, there's a certain point of be- believability where I think having Kofi last all the way to the end, pinning AJ Styles of all people, like at four matches deep, that I think hurts AJ a little too much and makes it a little bit tougher to believe. They achieved what they needed to do. They gave him a win over Brian, over Joe, over Jeff Hardy. So I feel like that. And I think that was they. Enough. I. I th- that's why I suggest that they they probably wanted Orton to pin AJ Styles for a reason. So sure. I, I think right. that that's probably they, they wanted to have um, that that connection coming out of this. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we got an Andrew from Cape Breton who says, after watching SmackDown tonight, I have to ask you guys something. Am I too pessimistic? Tonight, yes. I, tonight I saw what would be a star-making performance if it was anyone else. If it was Mustafa Ali, I would say that WWE has their next big superstar. But because it's Kofi Kingston, I already know what's going to go on from here. They gave Kofi a bone, and now they will use this opportunity to beat him into powder to get someone else over, and he'll be back doing nothing in a week or two. I was actually disappointed Kofi got in this match. He's always in these matches, be they long stints in the Rumble or in the Money in the Bank or whatever. It's always him. It's not that I don't respect Kofi or think he's a great talent, but he's like Dolph Ziggler. I know what's going to happen in the end. With Biggie or Xavier Woods, they might try something different. So John Way, am I being too pessimistic? Was Kofi's Iron Man stint really worth it? Or will this just be the next bone Kofi has thrown until he's beaten into oblivion in the next few weeks? I don't I don't completely disagree with this, that with, with a different guy, there could be more long-term value from doing something like this that, I mean, I would say you can only do this kind of a thing every so often, uh, although they did do it last year. And it was with an established guy in Rollins that he still got value out of. Um, with Kofi Kingston, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see this elevating him into a main event performer as a result of it. Who would that other guy be? On the SmackDown roster, um, I, I I don't even know. Do you think this spot would have gone to Mustafa Ali, or is this a brand new creation after like Kofi got in the match? I mean, just not not knowing, I would say that this was probably the decision that hey, we're gonna go with Kofi, who's on the surface a pretty cold character yeah. to put into a title match. We have to go the extra mile with him, so. Yeah, I, I mean, this would have suited the Mustafa Ali character. I just don't see them, uh, kind of having that that urgency to do this with Mustafa Ali as they yeah. did with Kofi Kingston to to really get him to that level. And I don't think they would have booked Ali that strong, you know, for him to have. Beat, I don't either to beat Brian and Jeff Hardy and Joe in the same match. I don't think they would have done it. Um, but I think it's so much of it is dependent on the follow up, right? Like, hopefully, hopefully it's different now, but. I, you know, within the New Day, you have three guys who we've always said maybe by this point have kind of done all they could in the tag team division. And the next step is to break them up. Not not break them up as in, you know, have them feud with each other, but break them up so that each can have singles runs while still maintaining this very lucrative, you know, uh, stable. Um, and you could do that with Big E. You could do that with Kofi. I hope that is kind of in the cards for them. You know, single stints and successful single stints for, for all those guys. Brandon from Oshawa. Gotta agree with Andrew from Cape Breton here. As much as I enjoyed the gauntlet match and enjoyed Kofi's performance, it is all really for nothing. Maybe he will get to the final two of the chamber match if he's lucky, and after that, it will be back to lame jokes and slinging pancakes. This clearly was going to be Mustafa Ali's run, and it would have worked to build him. I think if EC3 had beaten Ambrose on Raw, you could have thrown him in here and given him a Raw, since they keep teasing he isn't on one brand yet. Maybe not go the yeah. I would definitely say EC3 going sixty minutes was not happening, since he can't go like Kingston can. But it would have been something for him at least. I I I think EC3 would not have been able to be put in that role at all at all. No, I totally say Kofi over over EC3 for the quality of the match. I think you know for the crowd's favor. Um, yeah. Finally, like a lot of guys like it would have been uh, like you just couldn't put them. In this role, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that you know some credit needs to be uh, provided here with Kofi. It, w- it wasn't you know the Seth Rollins performance of a year ago, but this was hardly 
something where this guy was um, in over his head or anything like that. Oh, no. I, I come out of it incredibly positive. I think a lot of people are just perhaps, um, you know, don't think that they have any, any faith in the booking committee to follow up on, on this. Uh, finally, we got a Matt in the 604 who says, where is Asuka? Well, I mean, it's the pay-per-view is booked, so there's not yeah. really a program for her until after this pay-per-view. So I'm sure she'll be figured in for uh, whether it be Fastlane or, yeah, I, I would imagine she'll be back in, once this pay-per-view is over with. There are two major focuses with the women on SmackDown this month, and it's Becky Lynch and Charlotte, and then it's the tag team uh, titles. So that unfortunately leaves Asuka just out there. Does I mean, you know, at the same time, does that mean she couldn't have at least participated in a couple matches so that you keep her in the audience's mind? I definitely think they could have done a better job there. But, you know, unfortunately, oh, man, it's I, I, I just kind of look at her as sort of like a champion that they want to put the belt on for the time being while they transition Becky over to, to SmackDown. And I just don't see think that they know what to do with her. I, I'm trying to even think of, of what her program would be for WrestleMania, and I'm really having a tough time. It's very difficult. I mean, on the one hand, it's like there's so much focus on the Ronda Rousey title at the moment that, you know, having Asuka just be on television at the moment, it almost draws attention to the fact that Becky doesn't want this title, Charlotte doesn't want this title, and everyone's concerned about Ronda's title, whereas... Having her off television, I think it's just it's out of sight, out of mind. You're now seeing these women just cross over shows at the moment. It's why do we even have two titles? Yeah. So I, I think that that's a problem that they've had for a while with all of these titles. And that's just that's that's just the reality of having, you know, your main championships and then your secondary titles. And it's very clear which one is which. It's very, very easy to to see that. We've actually got one more piece of feedback, John. Oh, one more. Let's do it. Sure. Oh, am I reading it? Yeah. Oh, Christ. I was wondering why you didn't <laughs> just grab it from me. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest bad bloodians. Great show tonight. I'm talking about bad blood. Happy for the resurgence of Anthony LaPaglia. Anywho, SmackDown, which is also a fun show. I really feel gutted for Mustafa Ali. Because clearly the Kofi running the gauntlet was clearly Mustafa's. I mean, the ending was predictable because they were short on time, but it was impressive nonetheless from AEW heavyweight champion Randy Orton. Meanderings. What are your thoughts on the relationship between Trudeau and Wilson Raybould? Do you think it's time to end the silence? Will the lack... I don't know. I don't know what that is. Will the lack of star power in New Japan hurt them, or will they recover in time for the two Dome shows? How are they going to fill two nights? I mean, they're getting a lot of guys back on this tour coming up. Ishii's yeah. back. They've got Osprey in next month. Kota Bushi's back. Marty Skrull's on these shows coming up soon. Um, Go to you know, back. it's not to me doom and gloom, but it is. There is a big hole that's left. So, well, who are we talking about? Like Kenny, the Bucks, Omega. Like Omega's um, the big one. Yeah, yeah, he's the big one. Kenny's gone. The Bucks are gone. Um. Like, with all due Skrulls respect, the Bucks ran. and Cody were not going to be responsible for selling out the Tokyo Dome no, on either night. Not I mean, at all. They are they are very different priorities in New Japan than they were uh, when than they are in Ring of Honor or in their own promotion at the moment. So those to me are uh, less stinging to New Japan than Kenny Omega is. 
No, I I really just think it's Kenny. Uh, I think you know we didn't really realize how many of their current like full time roster was just, was not involved in New Beginning, like seeing the cards that they just announced versus the cards that we got in New Beginning. It was a very depleted lineup that we were seeing over the past month. Um, Velasquez and Ganu thoughts, John. Since you and me are the only ones who love MMA, I'm out of here. Peace. He wrote something here in um. Well, I don't know what language this is. Simplified Chinese. Um, Velasquez and Ngannou. I I'm picking Kane Velasquez. I think that he's going to look great on on Sunday. I think that it's going to be. Uh, I just I think if you've seen Francis Ngannou and how he handled Stipe Miocic or didn't handle him for that matter, I think this is going to be a very similar fight. I see Velasquez being able to take him down without much resistance. And then it's Velasquez all fight long. And I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Francis Ngannou to avoid those takedowns. Um, I don't know. I watch Francis Ngannou now. I think he's a fighter that certainly comes with way more questions than answers at the moment. I think that he was severely outmatched against Stipe Miocic. He did not have anything for Derek Lewis. Um, neither guy really had much for either of them. And then he beat Curtis Blades. So I think that win was a, a bit of a glimmer of hope to end what was a pretty disappointing come back down to earth kind of year for Francis Ngannou. And uh, barring Cain Velasquez showing up as a completely different fighter who, can you believe, wait, the last time he fought was UFC 200. Wow, that long. July of 2016. So, I mean, it's been a long time away for Cain Velasquez, who has had more time in the WWE Performance Center than he has had inside of a UFC octagon in two and a half years. But what was that about? He was just invited to go there and, and train, and he was there. And he he does have aspirations of one day doing professional wrestling, which is so bizarre from this guy who is like the furthest thing from it, in my opinion. Yeah, the least likely personality, but who knows? Who knows what who knows? could be like? Yeah. Anyway, the brand new Kane. That's right. Yeah. Put him in a mask. Uh, but I'm picking Kane Velasquez. I think he stops him within three rounds. Do you Are think you... he'll watch that fight? Way will Kane Velasquez pull you back? Um, I I'm not gonna watch it live. No, you'll be here with me. For Elimination Chamber. Oh yeah, uh, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, maybe if you if you after it in the late in the evening, if you still have the energy for it, I, I, I'm willing to sit down and watch that one. Uh, yeah, perhaps it, it's unfortunate. Like after after we're done the show, then we're free to talk with one another. We don't even need the fight to be on. We can just entertain each other with our words. But earlier in the night, when it's so quiet, that'd be a great time to have the card on. But that won't be an option. No, no, it won't be. All right, well, that's going down on Sunday. It's a very, very busy weekend. There's there's two Bellator cards, including uh, Paul Daly fighting Michael Venom Page on Saturday night. So very busy weekend for MMA and a fairly busy weekend for professional wrestling as well. We will go through all of those cards on the Cafe Hangout on Thursday. So if you are a double-double or higher member, tune in Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, preview of Elimination Chamber. And I guess before we go, we can run through the the card for uh, Sunday and just get uh, up to date on the matches that are going down. So we have the, the new participants for the main event, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, and Kofi Kingston for the WWE championship. The women's chamber match for the tag titles, Nia Jackson, Tamina against Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan versus 
Fire and Desire versus The Iconics versus Bailey and Sasha Banks versus Naomi and Carmella. What are their names again? Fabulous Glow. Fabulous Glow. The Miz and Shane McMahon versus The Usos for the SmackDown Tag Titles. Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot for the Raw Women's Title. Yes, that is a match that is happening on Sunday. Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Title. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. And Buddy Murphy versus Akira Tozawa for the Cruiserweight Title. Mm-hmm. That is our lineup. The Chamber match looks great. I think Murphy and Tozawa will deliver. Uh, I have a curiosity with Rousey versus Riot. I think they will. Ah, two double R's. Oh, wow. Balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's they should my... have been at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> That's my curiosity. Yeah. Um, I also have a re- uh, an interest in, in the women's elimination chamber match too, just to kind of see what that'll turn out. But as far as like Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush goes, no interest at all. That's a raw match at best. I wouldn't even want to tune into that on free TV. And Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Let's hope that's a, a kickoff thing. Braun which, Strowman and Baron Corbin on which, the kickoff? Which I'll have to watch anyway, so whatever. That's all coming up on, on Sunday with our... Oh, what what's the, I always get confused on these. It's a one hour kickoff on Sunday, so I think it's six o'clock Eastern, and then the pay per view portion is at seven. Makes sense. I I keep getting it in my head that all these kickoffs are two hours. Thank God they're not. Yeah, um, you might get your wish someday, John. So let's let's enjoy these while we can. And for those of you who are planning on watching Elimination Chamber live, you can join John and I right afterwards if you're a Double Double Plus patron uh, on video as we stream our review live on YouTube. So I'll send out the link at some point during the evening. And if not, you can wait for a few hours and get it on our free feed. Yes, we will be doing the video portion as well, taking your phone calls after Elimination Chamber. Uh, So tune in. Looking forward to that. Should be a very busy weekend ahead. So In the meantime, head on over to postwrestling.com. You can get all the information about our live show at postwrestling.com slash live. That is happening WrestleMania weekend, Sunday, April 7th at the Broadway Comedy Club. Come visit us. And if you're Brandon from New Jersey, you can ask us a question live in person. And there's no way we can move on from your feedback. You will have the microphone. Oh, God. Brandon from New Jersey, I think, would be a big draw. Um... He called in last week on the Hangout. Um, he, he like, giggled in. I don't even know if it was a full call. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder in person, like, what what that would be like. I have no idea. Hmm. Only one way to find out, folks. Sunday, April the 7th, noon Eastern at the Broadway Comedy Club. That's it for us. Thanks for listening, and go check out The Double Shot.